sir. Indeed. Indeed, sir. You know, this reminds me of trading places, but... <laughs> I apologize. No, that's a, that's a classic. Actually, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I think I watched like the first like 30 minutes of that movie. And I was like, I I, I can't. I, I'm just trading. Not... Yeah. Trading Places? With Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, yes. I just. Oh, man, that was such a great movie. Yeah, no, I'm sure sure it was. But I was just like, I, uh, I'm i not enjoying this. I'm not enjoying the humor. Um, yeah. And, you know, there, here's a, there, there are some classic comedies that I just don't think are very funny. Uh, another one would be Blazing Saddles. Okay. Um, you're fired. Yeah, I know. And I apologize. I just am like. To me, I was just like, it, this is not doing it for me. I don't know. Well, Blazing Saddles is an absolute, absolute classic, you know? But I yeah. watched it probably again about two years ago. And I was like, I mean, there were some parts that I that I did laugh pretty good. But overall, I'm like, man, this is just, this is not that good. Um, definitely well, I, definitely I not like... Uh, like the whole Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor types, you know, those, those movies, like I'm almost in tears on, but I don't know. Yes. Silver Streak was pretty good, but yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I really like that. Movie. Hear no I, evil, see no evil, man. Like there are parts on that movie where I am doubled over in laughter. Like so freaking hilarious. Planes, trains, and automobiles is another classic that I was, I really was. I had like tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard when John Candy was trying to take his jacket off and not wake up Steve Martin. Oh, God. That was so funny. Anyways. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we went on long enough uh, for you. I'm Dustin Bass. And I'm Alan Joaquin. And this is the Sons of History podcast. Uh, this is going to be pretty... Uh, well, let's just get to it, shall we? Um, and before we get to it, let's not get to it because we've got a couple of other things to get to before we get to it. Um, book and movies would be that first thing. Okay. Uh, you got the receipts out? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay, get your receipts going and go. All right, for movie, Trading Places. <laughs> it's a classic. It's a classic. I don't care what my co-host says. <laughs> I was going to nominate the Horse Soldiers with John Wayne and William Holden. Yeah, but I am so insulted <laughs> by your your lack of appreciation of of such a classic as Trading Places that I am going to jump over. Well, in spite of the fact that I was actually in Newton, Mississippi, where the story took place, mm -hmm. which in the movie was Newton Station, I'm gonna I'm going to Add pl trading places. You're going to so usurp is, yourself. I like it. That's right. I'm going to do two movies today. I'm doing Trading Places and The Horse Soldier. Oh, so, so. you are doing and The Horse Soldier. Okay. And okay. The Horse Soldier. Yes. So. <laughs> the what, Joe Biden? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. That was the best play I've ever seen since the Ford's Theater. So just. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm gonna just mention both movies. I, I for a good comedy, watch Trading Places. For a good war movie, watch The Horse Soldiers. Okay. Over in Union right. Station. 
That's right. Now, uh, yes, <laughs> over in Fig Newton Station. Fig Newton. Uh, for the book, uh, the book is called The Glorious... You know you know what's annoying is, is that I already closed that section of my, my, my thing out. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, we had to... Uh, should, well, now uh, that you've mentioned yeah. it, now that you've raised it no, up... It's called uh, the, Glo- the, the Glorious, Glorious Cause. Cause. Yeah. It's a, Ladies Robert- and gentlemen, we were recording for a little while, and then we ran out of room on what yeah. we were recording on, so... Yeah, I had to stop and redo the show. But anyways, go yeah, on. Glorious cause. That's glorious what we're doing right now. By Robert Medelkauf. It is a part of the Oxford History of the United States series. Indeed. Which, indeed. Now, we're going to talk about the Oxford History of the United States in our podcast. So I'm um, just remind me because I may forget. Very good, sir. All right. So, but but this is one of the good ones mm-hmm. in in the series, and I I recommend it. It covers 1763 to 89. So, if you want a good history on the uh, on American history, this this is one of the good ones. Well, and, I'm uh, just gonna stick to my Howard Zinn and 1619 project. Thank you very uh, much, sir. Yeah, you, you go right ahead. Yeah, All beautiful. Right. All right, my book and movie recommendation. Uh, the book is Utopia by Sir Thomas More. This was written a long time ago. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but out in the USSR uh, during that's when it, I believe that's when it was erected was an don't obelisk. You mean, don't you mean back in the USSR? Yeah, but I, let me let me continue my reference. Back in the USSR, because I say in the USSR to an extent because it's still up. Anyways, uh, back in the USSR when it was erected, and I believe that that's when it was, I think it was Vladimir Lenin who had it erected, was in, an obelisk with a list of names of like socialist communists. Um, and one of them on the list is Sir Thomas More, oddly enough. And it was because he wrote the book Utopia. Um, they took it seriously instead of satirically. And hey. yeah. So wasn't you have I, w- Sir w- Thomas More as this famous uh, socialist out in. I was uh, going to say, wasn't it supposed to be kind of like Animal Farm mm-hmm. or Animal yeah. House or something? Yeah. It was. Uh, so, I mean, a guy comes in, says he's been living in this utopia, this place that they have certain rules. Um, and Sir Thomas More, um, writing for himself as the character in the book, is sort of trying to figure out exactly what this place is and how impossible all of what this guy is saying uh, is. And uh, by the time it's all over, he walks away, the guy walks away, and, you know, Sir Thomas More is like, no, that's just impossible. And Utopia yeah. stands for no place. Um, you know, you know that he pissed off uh, Henry VIII? I I heard a rumor about that. Uh, still trying to dig into that to see if it's true. No, it is true. Is it? it yeah, he was executed. Uh, Get out of here. Yeah, I kid you not. You, you, let me, let me, yeah, I, I kid you not on that one. I mean, I had read about that. Let me look on you, Wikipedia real quick. Yeah, you do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see what it says. All right, so my movie recommendation, this may surprise you. Blazing Saddles. It was a classic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was. Blazing Saddles. No, my book, my movie recommendation is Boondock Saints um, with two uh, relatively famous actors. um, Sean Patrick Flannery 
not so um, famous anymore. He's out here in, I believe, the Houston area, um, mm. but it's a classic movie. And if you mm. are our age, then you definitely know who Sean Patrick Flannery is. And it, yeah, it's I two was, brothers. Uh, I was actually a big fan of uh, the the, uh, the Indiana Jones, the, the Chronicles of Young Indiana Jones, which yeah. was on TV back in the 90s. Played by him. Mm-hmm. He was Indiana Jones. Um, and so his brother in the movie is Norman Reedus. And ah, it's a, I love them. yeah, I know you do. You're a big walking, walking dead fan. And you know what? It's going to pay off that you've been watching the walking dead so religiously, so faithfully, because that's where we're headed. We're heading to like this post-apocalyptic world. Uh, if things mm. do not stop in their tracks, yeah. you know, um, I've, I visited, uh, some of the filming sites uh, on my last trip. Yeah. Yep. Did you, uh, are you going to be in any episodes? You know, no, sadly. Um, but but I did. Uh, did you did you see the episode where um, where Rick Grimes and Negan fought under a tree? No, I uh, I, I stopped watching uh, around the fourth season. Okay. Yeah. Well, the the I think it's season eight or nine. Uh, both of them uh, were in a fight, and uh, but I actually I went I visited I was able to visit that very tree and it Who started won, raining. By the way? Hmm? Who won? Oh, uh, Rick won. Rick won that one. Oh, okay. Uh, but I hid under that tree because it was raining really hard. Uh-huh. So as I'm sitting there, the the uh, the the fruit of the tree started landing on me. They're like some. They're, they look like acorns. So so actually, I gathered some of the acorns and uh, brought them home. So I don't know if I violated any horticulture law, but but uh, you know, I, well, I can actually. Did. They know now. They know now. I can actually grow trees from that very tree from the walking dead beautiful do you mind if i continue i guess uh yeah i I think anyways boondock saints is a really cool movie about two brothers irish american brothers um out in the boston area who feel that they've received this vision or this mission from god to remove all of the scum that surrounds and is in the boston area Uh, like pornographers and crime bosses and people like that. Uh, Really cool movie. Um, FBI uh, gets involved, led by Willem Dafoe, who plays a really good role in the movie. So, yeah, if you've never watched it, I highly encourage you to watch it. It is R for a number of reasons. Um, Tons of cussing, uh, plenty of nudity. Um, But I don't really think any... Yeah, but yeah, it's... uh, it's in plenty of violence. So, anyways, if you are not for the faint of heart, go for it. Um, but if you are, don't. And don't watch the second one. I, I didn't even watch the second one. It looks so stupid. But anyways, all right, moving on. Alan, I, I don't know if you heard the news. I don't even know if you get the news. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away just a couple of days ago. Thoughts? Oh, well, if I... Uh... If you're not on Facebook, then yeah, you would never heard, have heard about it. But uh, um, if you're okay. not on Facebook, you'd have never heard about it. Did nobody in the media cover that? Uh, well, I'm sure the media did, but and I saw it, that's actually how I found out was on Facebook. So yeah. my thoughts were um, okay. I mean, I wasn't a fan of hers, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anything negative about her. I mean, right. she she did what you know what 
she did what she thought was right. She, I did, I totally disagreed with just about every single thing she stood for, especially the fact that she wanted the Supreme Court to look outside of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, into other countries and stuff like that. Right, which yeah. I was like, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. So, right. I, you know, it's for me, it's it's okay. I'm not mourning. Um, Same uh, feeling. It's just like you know, uh, I I don't really understand. I don't approve of people who celebrate someone's death unless it's someone along the lines of like a, a you know. Uh, oh, like Hugo Chavez. I yeah. celebrated. I celebrated when Hugo Chavez died. Uh, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, I mean, it, it it doesn't mean anything for me. It would be like a football player that I've never heard of dying. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel bad for the family, but I mean, I'm not going to say anything negative about it. Right. So. I mean, there's no need to celebrate a person's death who, yeah, you know, you just because you disagree maybe on on everything uh, with what they they stood for. Now, depending on what side of the aisle uh, you are on, you will see it as providential or not providential, timely or not timely, with an upcoming election uh, just around the corner. And, but speaking of Facebook and Twitter as well, um, a lot of people, especially on the left were saying, you better not even try to replace her, um, until the election, until after the election thoughts on those demands. Well, they, they have no, that now doesn't work that way. They really have no say in the matter. Um, it's whoever's in charge runs things you know mm-hmm. uh, it reminds me of what happened when Mitt Romney became uh, governor of Massachusetts a Republican the there was a vacancy in the Senate and the legislature there decided to change the rules normally a governor appoints a senator but they decided to change the rules so that he could not appoint a senator so that they could put a Democrat in there this is I think when Ted Kennedy died mm-hmm. so and then they rechanged it after Romney left, and he was no longer governor. So, yeah. I, I, I can't have sympathy for them. It, right? It, it's yeah. Just no. Not, yeah. Exactly. Not, and, and another thing is, is that we've known. You know, when 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 Scalia died, it mm-hmm. was sudden. Right. Okay. When get, be, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they knew she was dying, and they, I mean, they intentionally prolonged her seat to keep her from losing that seat in the Supreme Court so that Trump mm-hmm. could not appoint somebody to replace her. So, Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, to, to that not... extent, that's what bothers me as well about her staying on so long instead of stepping down because she was a detriment to the court because of her health reasons. Correct. I just don't understand, like, that is that is selfish to the American people, but it's um, heroic to a political party. Yeah. I mean, and that's all that was. She, mm-hmm. I mean, she was in the hospital. She was yeah. in the hospital. She, she couldn't do her job. She's in right. the hospital and they were like, okay, no, 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 let's keep her. Let's keep her. Cause we don't want Trump to appoint somebody. So right. you, you can't, you can't have it both ways where mm-hmm. you stretched it, stretched it, stretched it up. She didn't make the finish line. Well, yeah. well, guess what? You can't, sorry, you can't have, yeah, you can try to, so, Right. Bully now, people into, you know, saying, right. okay, we won't, we won't do anything like Lisa Murkowski. And I think Susan Collins are saying uh, like, okay, they won't, you know, they won't vote 
on and a and a pointee. And I'm like, um, you know, the thing is, is like there is nothing in the Constitution that says that you have to wait a particular point in time or you can't make um, a selection or appointment in an election year. Um, Obama mm-hmm. did it. Uh, the thing is, is the reason why uh, his appointee did not did not go through or wasn't even brought to um, to the floor is because the Democrats did not have run of the Senate. Right, and so well, I, it, you it have a sense. you have the president now who uh-huh. is Republican, and now you have a Republican held Senate, uh-huh. and it's very obvious why the Democrats want to wait because they want to see if Biden will win and if the Democrats will take back the Senate. It right. makes sense that their demands, but to for people to say uh, out of um, convenience or out of respect or out of the re or the reason why they shouldn't is because, uh, they didn't put, um, Obama's appointee to the floor and bring him up. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, no, that has nothing to do with it. Uh, yeah. I mean, are... I, listen, I understand. I understand their anger. I do. No, I do. no, I so, do too. I get it. But, but you know what? If the tables are turned, they, they would push somebody yeah. They would push somebody through, and they know that. Right, and, and, and it's know, one thing you know, to get upset about something, but uh-huh. there's another thing, you know, that if if you're being upset has actually any grounding, and it doesn't. Right. So. Well, you know, when when uh, who was it? Arlen Specter, I think he was the senator uh, for Pennsylvania, and I believe when he switched sides and mm-hmm. went from Republican to Democrat, then the Democrats had full control. Uh, they they had they had um, enough votes to prevent a filibuster in the Senate. Yeah, and and they pushed through Obamacare immediately. Mm-hmm. So and and with that, you lost the House and the Senate. Yeah, like those so, are, there are repercussions uh, that take place. And mm-hmm. speaking of repercussions, I'm glad you you brought that up because that is a perfect segue into what we're wanting to talk about in detail um, in this episode, which is I've labeled as the incoming anti-everything pushback. Mm-hmm. We are in a culture, in a society that has embraced cancellation of just about everything, everything that is based on on American principles. Like you're, you're just classic American principles, the values, right. uh, the morals um, that we have held as a, as a country well before the founding of America in 1776. So with this anti-everything push this cancel culture you are you you you're hitting a fever pitch which has led to the riots in the streets um this rhetoric this anti-american rhetoric uh this marxist rhetoric that is not just being you know played out by a few people or you know some some groups here and there this is like nationwide groups that are and people like with you know popularity mm-hmm. who are speaking anti-american rhetoric and speaking and and marxist rhetoric which those go hand in hand obviously um and there are some who do it knowingly and then there are some who do it i think unknowingly unwittingly they're just they're fed up with 
um, whatever it is that they're they're being told to be fed up with, and they're regurgitating that. And these are people that Americans have trusted, like athletes, to actors and actresses, uh, to low-level politicians, to major politicians, to the media. Um, yeah, it, this is this is going on right now, and to me, it's like this is the expectation: is the riots in the streets. Well, you know, I, I remember I remember when I was a child, I uh, used to watch Walter Cronkite on the CBS uh, Evening News. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything he had to say, I I took it as gospel. OK, well, this this guy's telling me things, but I, I didn't really I didn't quite understand the concept that maybe this guy had certain views. And, I you know, I come to find out later on in life that he he was quite the liberal mm-hmm. and. And I, I wasn't, I was only about a year old when the Tet Offensive took place. But apparently when he made the statement that this war is over, we have lost during the Tet Offensive, that he had quite an effect on the American population. I didn't recognize that until later on in life, that a lot of these celebrities, a lot of these reporters, yeah. um, and now we're going to throw in sports figures have a certain agenda, have a certain viewpoint, and they're supported by kids coming out of schools nowadays who are being taught mm-hmm. literally to hate either their country or their culture or their race or yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it is happening. It is real. And I have seen it. And, you know, I'm a generation extra. And believe me when I tell you that I saw the difference between how history had been taught or how uh, people have talked about this country back in my days versus how it's being taught today. So yeah. th- this has been a gradual process, and they have done a very good job in changing the attitude of this country mm-hmm. to make it anti-American, anti-Western civilization, anti-white, anti-male, anti um, what's what's that? Um, patriarchal. Patriarchal. Thank you. I'm trying to think of the right word. Yeah. yeah. But no, and and that's. That's been going on for quite some time. I would say during um, late 50s into the 60s, that really started um, taking hold. There's these, I think I've, I've mentioned that, not to borrow from our friend of the show, Alex Kershaw, but I think we're under the third wave right now of socialism, a push for socialist um, government, uh, your first wave being in turn of the 20th century with the progressive era and then the 60s. And now um, mm-hmm. I think we're in the third wave and you see what has taken place um, in those waves. Um, you had uh, in, in the first wave, you ended up um, really giving a lot of power to unions, especially in the thirties with FDR's administration. Um, but you had the rise of unions during the progressive era. Uh, you had the 16th and 17th amendments. And then you have, um, all of all of the you know the civil rights acts uh, that go on and then and then the women's movement and those things were were positive um, and and that's how it always begins is like it starts off positive and then it turns into okay where does the progressive march end and the the answer is it never ends so it's always one more um, hurdle to overcome even if the hurdle is not something that you is not even a hurdle it's just something that you're making up. Um, which we are seeing a ton right now. Um, so you have just really insanity running through the streets. You've got the 
um, anti-police rhetoric as well. Uh, but it is interesting that more people are sort of realizing, okay, this is not just, this is not really about race relations. This is about a power move, an ultimate power move by people who are Marxist, um, who are anti-American, but under the guise of equality and justice, um, while at the same time changing the definition of justice and equality. Uh, since the Black Lives Matter movement this year, um, you know, you had a, a big rise in the Black Lives Matter movement during the last election year of 2016. Um, but you have support for Black Lives Matter, which is founded by Marxists. Um, and please understand that everybody who is marching in the streets and protesting, uh, a lot of them don't even, you know, realize, or at least did not realize. Um, and more of them are realizing it now because there has been a, you know, relatively significant drop in support, uh, for the Black Lives Matter movement, um, organization. And people try to separate those two, but that's very difficult. I, I find, uh, to do, um, let's see in June. So everything really hit a fever pitch after the George Floyd killing. Um, there was 67% among all adults supporting Black Lives Matter. This month of September, it's down uh, to 55%. This is according to Pew Research. Uh, so there's, you know, there has been a significant drop. Um, obviously, Democratic uh, Democrats are far more supportive of the Black Lives Matter organization and movement um, than Republicans. Um, there was 92% in June. Uh, now it's 88%. That's Democrat. And at the beginning in June, there was 37% uh, who supported it in, as Republicans. And now it's 18%. So dropped by half. So there's a, there's a lot of movement uh, going on in realization. I'm like, okay, this, is, this group is not exactly what we thought it was. And I've had a friend, you know, try to convince me that uh, we've always known that this is a Marxist movement and everything like, well, okay, that's fine if you always knew, but it doesn't counter the fact that they have made great strides in pushing certain things through in the education system, um, in, in the media, uh, and then also in politics. I mean, you, people who say, oh no, you got to separate the movement from the organization, well, then why do they, why do both movement and the organization also have the same demands and same color schemes and everything that they do? I don't know. I, I have heard that. I have heard that argument repeatedly, you, mm -hmm. you know, that you have to separate the movement from the organization. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that, you know, the, the, the BLM premise is, is that, you know, black pe black men especially are being massacred by the police when, when that's simply not true okay right. in terms of unarmed in, in terms of unarmed black men i think i read somewhere that it was somewhere between 9 to 19 i think last year or it might have been this year yeah but i think in 2018 there was there was nine killed uh, unarmed okay. black men okay and, and i think it was twice the amount of uh, deaths of unarmed men who were white mm -hmm. but but when you look at the fact that that 50% of the murders committed in this country are committed by the black race. I'm, so, I'm sorry to say that, but, but the, I keep hearing these statistics from a lot of places, the FBI, um, even from black people themselves who mm -hmm. are stating, look, 
50% of murders are committed by black people. And so many people, so many black men are being murdered by other members of the black race. Mm -hmm. That's just not being addressed by BLM. They're only focusing their attention strictly on white cops killing them or, or cops killing them in general. Mm -hmm. And that that's, it's not a just, it's not justifiable to, to, uh, I mean, you can, you can protest and, you know, and and we, we, I can't understand why I have to repeatedly say this to some of our critics. We're not talking about protests. Yeah. We're talking about the rioters or we're talking about the people that are, that have bullhorns and they're getting in people's faces at Mm -hmm. restaurants demanding that they raise their fist in solidarity. Otherwise they're, they're, I mean, videos are coming out of the harsh treatment that they're giving to people who aren't going yeah. along with them. And if you look at pictures and everything, and I've I've seen videos and I've heard people say, you know, like, man, it's like this BLM movement is like when you look at the crowd, it's like it's a ton of white people. It's a ton of you yeah. know, white liberals and they're young people. And we've I've mentioned this before in, in the show. It's like they're student movements for a reason. They're impressionable. They're students. They're young. And so if you say, look, this, this is happening, this is happening, and, and you're not providing uh, proper context or statistics to prove your point, you're just going off of, you know, emotion, pathos. Um, well, yeah, young people are going to jump right into it and be like, okay, we got to fight for justice. And, you know, this whole country is, is unjust and, you know, it's wicked and it's based on all this, you know, well, you're going to have what you have in the streets right now. And, and you're going to have it to where... Uh, like you said, it's opportunistic moments of of violence where something happens and it's an opportunity to create um, this this uproar. And that is what has been going on. And there have been a lot of it's just the 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 downfall is so extreme. Like you've got cities on fire. You've got businesses that will never come back to life. Um, and the, <laughs> the, the counter argument is, well, they've got insurance. Like, well, then if, if that's your argument, then you really don't know how insurance yeah. works. Right. I mean, listen, I, I, if I owned, if I had money, I am not going to invest in a company that's going to set up shop in a place where it could end up, get, could end up getting torched right. or destroyed by the mob by the mob who is not going to get and you know and that business right. is not going to get protected by uh the local government right so there, uh, i'm i'm not going to invest my money in that right. so you know they're destroying their own communities and and you know there there are people in those communities who have recognized that mm-hmm. and i have seen uh some videos where 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 there's there was like this one black lady that was screaming screaming at the rioters because of what they're doing to their community, yeah. that they're losing their grocery stores, that they're losing Target, mm-hmm. that they're losing, you know, employment opportunities yeah. because companies are like, hey, the hell with this. I'm I'm packing up and I'm going to move to a location that's that's much safer, that where I don't have to worry about it being torched. And I think what needs to be understood is that this is not this this conversation is not a race conversation. This is a political ideology conversation. Yes, yeah, it, it, because listen, I, I I felt that I feel bad for some of the people whose communities are being destroyed mm-hmm. that just want to live a life, enjoy the American dream, and, yeah. and 
you know, have have kids that that become accomplished, um, you know, writers or accomplished uh, engineers or mm-hmm. accomplished scientists, doctors, whatever. Um, that, that's all they want. They want a piece of the American pie, and it's being deprived mm-hmm. because of of these these kids who don't know what the hell they're talking about, right. destroying their own community. Mm-hmm. And and the counter argument would be, well, Alan, what is the American dream? What is the American dream? You don't, you know, the American dream is, and they will they will name something like, ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you what the American dream is. The American, the, Ameri- you, I, I, the American dream is not um, the, the house and the white picket fence. The, Ameri- no, the, the American dream is inscribed in the Declaration of Independence. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that's it. That's, it's called life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those three things cause more people from all over the world to try their very best to come to this country just for those three things. I want to I be able to live I want to be able to live without the threat of death, you know, hanging over me. I want the, I want liberty to make my own decisions and not just make my own decisions, but also voice, uh, those, my opinions on certain things without the threat of that first one coming under, uh, uh, that first one coming under threat of being killed. And then I want to be able to pursue the house and the white pickup fence or not the house and white picket fence. Maybe I just want to live on a boat. You know, yeah. so those, those three things, that is the American dream. It's not this, you know, I want to be, I want to be rich and wealthy. If you want to be rich and wealthy, if that's your pursuit of happiness, and if that's what you think will be, you will, will make you happy, then by God, you have the opportunity to do it. Uh, there is nothing holding you back except maybe, uh, your immediate environment. So, but that is, that environment is the antithesis of what the American dream is. If you feel that your life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are completely quelled, don't, you know, you need to look at, okay, what is it that is exactly like holding that back? And if it's, you know, your surroundings, or if you feel, you know, to an extent like I do, that the government has far too many rules and restrictions in play, then yeah, I I agree with you with uh, the government is restricting the pursuit of happiness. And your yeah. liberty. All right. Now, the pursuit of happiness, it, you know, it's not, every, you know, the thing I always hear, the, the, the feedback I hear is, oh, money, money, money. Listen, if the pursuit of happiness is money, then you have that option. Mm-hmm. If your pursuit of, you know, like my pursuit of happiness is is having a book collection that's uh, that's second to none. And, mm-hmm. and I'm very happy with my book collection. That, to me, is my pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Your pursuit of happiness could be the uh, acquiring more knowledge. Your pursuit of happiness could be anything you want. It's it's of your choosing, mm-hmm. and a lot of these 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 kids whose parents have acquired the American dream, provided them with everything they could, and then they turn around and say that 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 system is flawed and it's unfair and and you know it it reminds me of that conversation that John Adams had when he said that. You know, he studies uh, politics and military history so that his kids can study uh, science and history so that then his kids can study music and uh, art. And it, it kind of I, I, I see a little flaw in that little statement right there, because then you're saying that your grandkids are going to come up with something that just messes up 
the achievement of the United States. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If, I don't know if that makes sense. If if they're not going to be, if you, the grandkids are not taught history, they're going to be doomed to repeat history. If they're not taught, let's say, uh, why Marxism or fascism or socialism is bad, yeah. then they're not, or they're not taught what the Constitution is all about, or what their God-given rights are, their inalienable rights are. Mm -hmm then they're not going to know how to defend it once it's being taken away. Yeah. And so, you know, it, 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 it is, a, it's a, it's a frustrating thing to see these kids who have been given every opportunity to turn around mm -hmm. and now say that the very the very system that has given them up the opportunity is flawed and it should be destroyed. Right, because they, they want not just equal opportunity, but equal outcome, regardless of the opportunity that they took hold of. Right. And like, you, you, cannot, cannot... you cannot expect to go and get a master's degree or a doctorate in feminist studies or gender studies and expect to get paid the same amount as uh, a guy who or a woman who goes into uh, engineering or being a doctor. You can't. Yeah. Yeah, because the and and when you make that demand, you you misinterpret what um what the the supply and demand what free market enterprise is all about, and you you say okay, well you know our our whole system, our whole economic system is wrong. Well, you don't even know what the economic system is based on. You think it's based on what should be Marxism instead of what Adam Smith very plainly put out there and what our founding fathers adopted, which is the free market enterprise. And you can read mm -hmm. all about that in the wealth of nations and every, in, you know, and every good solid um, economist understands that Adam Smith was the, the father of economics and everything sort of derives from him. So uh, it's, it's a complete misunderstanding. And the whole anti-police is based on data that is either misconstrued or not produced at all. And it's just, uh, they're out here hunting us down. They're out here killing us. Um, they're out here. It's like, look, we, you and I have talked about this. We completely agree that too much power is given to police. Uh, it's yes. become too much of a policing state. There's so much that needs to be changed within uh, the police force. But to suggest that police are actually hunting people down is false. It is false because the numbers do not add up to it. It's a dangerous lie is what it it's is. It's an extremely dangerous I mean, lie, which is I why you have what happened in L.A. the other day where a guy just walks up and starts shooting into this police vehicle and shoots a 31-year-old um, female officer and a 24-year-old male officer. And, you know, she shot through the jaw. He shot through the forehead. And it's that right there is here is the end result of the rhetoric. This is what happens when you say the police are hunters. Well, well, I mean, we saw what happened. We saw what happened in Dallas uh, four years ago, right? So, and, and yet we're doing it again. We're and doing yet, it again. We're doing it again, and people are justifying it. And the thing is, is like understand that the race. Sit, like bringing in race, bringing in this idea of a caste system, bringing in the idea of um, economics, like, well, they're too rich and we're too poor and the, the inequality is so great, um, inequity is so great. It's like you were taking notes out of the Communist Manifesto and pitting 
one class or one people against another. That's all you're doing. And it's not about race, really. It, it, it's used, like race is used, but it's not about race. It's about ideology. 100%. And yeah. until people understand that what, if they are fighting for this anti-police rhetoric, anti-white rhetoric, you are actually, you're not going for justice. You are creating massive injustice, which if you need some examples to look at, look at the 20th century. Look at all of the examples of countries that adopted socialism and capitalism. I mean, socialism and communism. Mm -hmm. Look at it. And that's, that's, you have the, the mock, you know, trials where people are just taken off and shot because they weren't loyal enough to, to the party. That's what, that's what we're leading to. Well, you know, it used to be uh, in the Communist uh, Manifesto and, and uh, Das Kapital where the, the enemy was, say, the uh, bourgeoisie or the mm -hmm. aristocrats. Well, now the, your enemy is uh, uh, people of a different race. Yeah. White exactly. privilege. White yeah. privilege is now the, uh, the key words that they're using. Yeah. And people may be like, well, why didn't uh, Marx write about race? Uh, because he was in Europe. That's why. He was yeah. in Europe during the middle of the 19th century. There was nothing but white people, so he had to pick. He had to pick classes. So he had to pick. Well, you know, now middle there, class there was against a, the, you know, lower class. There, there was a video that came out, I think, at a pharmacy, maybe a CVS pharmacy, where a couple of black uh, teens were were arrested, or they were thrown out. I think they were thrown out. They were not arrested by the police for shoplifting, and the the person who called the police on them was confronted. And the guy was like, look, we, we said we didn't want him arrested. We just don't want him allowed into the store anymore. And the, the person who was videotaping mm -hmm. him was trying to dox him, was saying, well, you've ruined this person's life over what? Over over items. And yeah. the, the guy, and I, I believe the person who called the police was black himself, was like, the guys were shoplifting or yeah. the guy was shoplifting. What do you want me to do? And it and it's, it's becoming – it's now becoming black privilege if – if this means that you can you can loot or you can uh, shoplift, but you're not allowed to face any consequences for it. Yeah, strictly based that's, on the color a, of your skin. Yeah, right. Then that becomes a form of black privilege. Yeah, I mean, and it and it really, uh, it's just it, it's hard to to grasp. But that's what social justice is, and people need to understand that. Like, that's not there's no justice in that. That is that is unjust. Where you are able to get away f with things. Um, it's like I, I heard um, there was a district attorney, and I can't remember where, but they were saying um, when when prosecuting the rioters and looters, you need to take into consideration their economic situation. It's like so. Yeah, you know, if you're stealing food, yeah. You know, a lot of times you'll see in a movie where someone steals an apple or steals a banana. Right. Okay. You know what? I, who that that doesn't bother me. I'm not, that okay. Right. I I can understand that, but you know that. But this is going in happening. and stealing big that's screen TVs and like right exactly. Expensive okay. Shoes. You're stealing food maybe in Venezuela where people yeah. liter literally are starving. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't have starving people in the United States yeah. now. You know you are literally, and I'm watching I'm watching 
the news on TV. These people are stealing big screen TVs. Mm -hmm. They're stealing expensive shoes off the bodies of people or off off their feet. You know, they might they might not be dead. I was there was a girl I think in uh, in New New York someplace where they beat her up and and stole her shoes. That's not that is not the act of a starving person. Exactly. So. Yeah, no. And that's that, not that, the act of a person seeking justice. That's no. an act of a person seeking revenge. Correct. So th- this whole thing is just, it's not going to work. It you know, doesn't people, work, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people people understand if, if you really are someone who's starving, and, and nobody nobody wants to see anybody of a race being hurt simply because of the, of the color of their skin. I mean, I was disturbed when I first saw the, the, uh, that the George Floyd video, I, I, yeah. I, my heart, my heart literally went out to George Floyd. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, and he, cause it, and then that guy in Atlanta who was at a, at the Wendy's, he looked, he looked like a cool dude that, Hey, you know what? I could go and have a beer with this guy. I could go have a meal with him. We can yeah. sit and chit chat. Okay. You know, I felt bad when you see, when you see the human face of these people, you feel bad for them, but you're not, you're not, you know, I, I, I did not see even from the looks on the police that they were there to hunt down these these guys. Mm-hmm. They were not there to hunt down these men and kill them yeah. because of the because of their race. I, I saw an unfortunate incident where they well, you can say it any way you want. Maybe they they were not cooperating. They were fighting. I mean, the guy in Atlanta was actually fighting with the cops. Yeah. They were wrestling on the ground. He and he picks up, and unfortunately, unfortunately for his fate, he grabs one of the weapons, which in this case is a taser. Mm-hmm. And as he's running, he turns around, points it at the officer, and fires it. it bad move. I'm sorry. I, you know, I hated to see him getting killed like that. But you know, I, I've, and I've told you the story repeatedly. When I was in high school, I was going to go put like a six pack of cokes. On a on one of my teacher's front porch at night, ring the doorbell and run because I felt like I I did something to upset him. And my friend's father said, "Don't you even think of doing that because people get killed for doing stuff like that." So it, it wasn't because I was doing anything wrong or anything of the sort. It's just that I'm 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 doing something which can be perceived as a threat. Yeah. And that was I'm at I'm at someone's home at night. I'm ringing the doorbell and then taking off. God knows what you're doing, you know, on the front porch. You you could be starting a fire on the front porch. You could be doing anything on the front porch. Right. So. It, yeah, I mean, this is this is not an intentional act of trying to uh, murder a whole race of people. Yeah, it's not. It's just not. And I know plenty of cops that. Uh, that that all they want to do is they want to do their job and go home at night and be with their families. Right. I'm not saying I'm not saying that there aren't cops out there. No, that, are that, that aren't. Yeah, that, that aren't bad. Yeah. You know, there I are mean, some believe bad me, cops. I've, I've, Hence I've the reason we've some. got the phrase "good cop, bad cop." Exactly. And believe me, when I was a teen, I faced. A, and I remember when I was in college, my brother and I we were driving uh, from College Station, and we mm-hmm. got pulled over by a by a really really mean sheriff uh, deputy. Mm-hmm. I mean, my brother started yelling at him. It was he was that uh, he was that rude and inconsiderate. Yeah. So they're out there, believe me, and yeah. we, we've seen it. All right, so you just got back on a trip um, from Southeast uh, America, more or less. Um, what are some of the things that you ran into? 
Well, there was, uh, it kind of reminded me of the uh, trip to Philadelphia when, when I was in Savannah. Uh, you know, there, there were a couple of major battles there that were fought in the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. I found nothing. I could find nothing, no books. I was even in their history museum. There was not a single book yep. on the battles of Savannah. Now, they did have some displays, but in terms of books in their bookstore, nothing. It seemed like anything that dealt with history, there were a lot of stuff on the history of, say, Savannah itself, cookbooks, whatnot. But in terms of, let's say, military history, half the books were on the Civil War and half the books were on slavery. Yeah. Hmm. Which which is what I kind of saw, you know, something very similar, say, in Philadelphia, where uh, half the half the books in their bookstore was about slavery and half was about uh, the American Revolution and what what took place in that city. And I don't know, there's like this obsession. There's this obsession on 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 slavery. Uh, and you can look at some of the movies that are coming out now. But but, you know, aside from that, there, a lot of the things that I did see in the southeast United States um you could see in in some of the rural areas the preservation of the battlefields for the Revolutionary War were were very nice, mm-hmm. but if you go into the cities, there's nothing. There's there's very little. There was there was just about nothing that I could find in the city, say of Charleston. Uh, I only saw a small section in Savannah. Um, in Atlanta, I'm sorry, not Atlanta. In Augusta, um, there. You know, the the sites of the Revolutionary War have been replaced with a church and with a uh, fire department headquarters. All you see are really signs. So there, there's not that much preservation. But talking to some of the people, you will see that they want to see some sort of preservation. Now, the, the town of 96 did a fantastic job. 96 is a town in, in South Carolina. They did a fantastic job of preserving the site there. But in the cities itself, negative, negative. Kind of reminded me of Georgetown. I'm sorry, not Georgetown, Germantown. If you go to Germantown in Philadelphia, it's only one one city block or one town block. And that's, all, that's it. That is it for a major battle that took place. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, but it, it was it was a very nice trip. Uh, yeah. Now, Vicksburg. Vicksburg does a fantastic job, I have to say. I, I loved what Vicksburg did. They did a kind of like a 16-mile drive. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend if you get a chance, you want to see some really cool Civil War stuff, mm-hmm. go to Vicksburg. They 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 really did a fantastic job. You know, speaking of of slavery and and um, it seems to me like right now people are people seem to be under the impression that throughout our history. Uh, slavery was never talked about, mentioned. And it's, and it's just now that people are, I guess that they say like, okay, now they're, they're brave enough. We've got brave people to actually talk about slavery um, and the ills and the wickedness of it. It's just like, no, it's, that was part of our history and it, it's talked about, you know, pretty thoroughly. Like the civil war is one of the biggest events if not the biggest event um, in American history, save the the founding. Right. Well, you know, in 1977, there was a miniseries uh, called Roots. It mm-hmm. was on TV, and everybody watched it. Mm-hmm. Okay? But 
but you know, and, and it was a good history lesson. Believe me, I, it had a profound effect on me because I didn't know about slavery. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. But I'll tell you this: it had it had a very good positive effect on the country because people understood, you know, what what happened in this country, what what you know, the slavery that was yeah. brought over to the United States. But but people did not just um, live on that TV show and just be completely taken by it so that it affected their entire lives and that that's all their life right. was to about. The point was that t- to the point that they were blaming themselves for slavery. Right. Which, I mean, is, it, what, it, which is what is demanded right now. Well, it, it, was, it, it was like watching a war movie in those days. Okay, well, uh, all right, well, this is what happened. You know, uh, I saw Tora, Tora, Tora. Okay, mm-hmm. Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. Okay, but that's it. But it, but there was no fo- continued focus, continued focus on what the Japanese did to the United States yeah. or to some of the other, some of their enemies. They, right. we knew about the history, but then that was it. Okay, and you didn't blame. We didn't, nobody blamed the present Japanese for what happened at Pearl Harbor. We saw their point of view, and and then you move on. Yeah, and and the thing is, is like you have absolute wickedness being conducted by the Japanese. To like the Chinese, um, and 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 other other areas, and then you also have the Germans doing so, and then you have the Russians, and then you have you know you have all of these people that are doing horrific things to each other, and it's not it's not based on, well they did it because they were Japanese or they did it because they were German or they were Russian, no they did it because they're human beings, and humans are capable of the most grotesque wicked things possible and we've got plenty of uh examples here in the u.s too so it's not about american russian british japanese chinese it's not about that it's about the human heart it's about humanity humanity if they are not if they are not you know pretty pretty much just guided by law and saying look this is how a society needs to be. You know, I got I got into a fight with a lady in Savannah uh, when she was asking me what I was doing, and I told her about the sense of history and how we're you know we're trying to show some you know uh, a lot of the things that are just not being mentioned in history today. And when we got onto the subject of of slavery, she started going off about how the U.S. just enslaved, 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 and you know we're defined by slavery. And I and I had to stop her. I said, hold on a second. And I said, slavery has been an institution since the beginning of man. If you read Herodotus, Thucydides, you read the Bible, um, you you will know that slavery has been around for quite some time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we did not – the United States did not have a monopoly, nor did it create slavery. But what I said is, is, but if you look at what countries like the United States and the United Kingdom did to slavery – that those two countries really led the way to end slavery around the world. Right. And that a war was fought because of slavery mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah. Um, now, granted, yes, Lincoln did not Lincoln did not fight the Civil War because of slavery. What he did was that he fought the war to preserve the Union, but slavery to him was a huge factor. Yeah. And when when he got the opportunity, he ended he, he he ended slavery in the entire United States. Right. And six hundred thousand men died in the United States over that war. Mm-hmm. Now, 
and, and you know, and there were abolitionists. There were abolitionists in the country that were fighting to end slavery. Now, that type of movement was not going on in the rest of the world. I mean, granted, yes, there were some nations that did, that were always against slavery to begin with. Mm -hmm. But if you don't put into conversation what the U.S. and what the United Kingdom did to end worldwide slavery, you're really giving Western civilization a disservice for for much of of how the world is today. Yeah. You know, I want to bring up, uh, there was an article written by uh, Robert Bridge um, in RT, RT rt.com. And he he, he is referencing how we're sort of reverting back to our wicked past um, via segregation. Um, That the article is is called African-Americans want black national anthem and black only towns but that's borrowing from the white supremacist playbook. And he, he, he writes in here, the very, essence, the very essence of this debate ignores a crucial historical fact. Although Americans are certainly guilty of many odious crimes against humanity, with slavery topping the list, few people have sacrificed more to correct those wrongs than the Americans themselves. And that is what is not brought about, like what you were, what you were talking about. That's the very thing. It's like, Yes, we, we recognize, you know, the things that we did wrong and wickedly in our past. And, and, and it's been an ongoing struggle to make sure that we correct those things and move forward. That's real progress. Progress is not making change out of revenge in order to get back at, at, a, at a race uh, that conducted things 100, 150, 200 years ago. That's not it. And, and, and there's more that's, that's going on right now where, you know, students are being pushed into this Marxist ideology unwittingly and back into segregation unwittingly um, with uh, what they're doing in in universities. National Review um, recently uh, put an article together and it says uh, the National Association of Scholars recently launched separate but equal again, neo-segregation in America and American higher education, a project examining racial segregation on college campuses such as Columbia University, Yale University, MIT, and others. Surveying 173 schools, we found that 42% offer segregated residences, 46% offer segregated orientation programs, and 72% host segregated graduation ceremonies. We call this neo-segregation, the voluntary and institutionally sanctioned segregation of minority students in the post-Brown versus Board era. Like that's, that is, that is going on right now. The things that generations before us fought tooth and nail and with their lives to eliminate is now being brought back and it's being brought back via the academia um, and, and media and, and people that, that embrace certain ideologies. Yeah. And, and they're mean, like, this is championed. This is uh, 50 years, 50 years ago that, you know, the black community was fighting for, for integration, for everybody to just join hands, be together. We graduate together. We go to school together. We go to church together. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the way it should be because, yeah. Hey, guess what? For those of us who do believe in heaven, it's not going to be whites only. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. I don't know how, I don't know how we're all going to look, mind you. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, to then turn around and say, well, you know what? Now we want black towns only. We mm-hmm. want black graduation. We want black dating service only. Yeah. 
you know, imagine if you do a whites only dating service, you know, if you, if you want to date a black girl or a black guy, you can choose that in the filters. Mm-hmm. You can do that if you want, but to just sit there and say, okay, black people only no whites, no whoever that's, that's messed up. And it's the same thing. Graduation in, 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 in graduation, but gradual, you know, uh-huh. it is a gradual push towards segregation and people don't even, you know, recognize it as such. It's like, well, this is what that is. And here's something you have to think about. Okay. What if you have a mixed race? Oh, this is going to be kind of like what happened in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, a white person can live in a white community only, but his, his or her black spouse cannot. Are you going to do the same thing in these black communities? What mm-hmm. about if you're a mixed race? Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, what's her name? Uh, the VP pick, uh, Kamala, she's or Kamala, whatever her name is. You had she's, it right uh, the first time, you racist. Is it Kamala or Kamala? Kamala. Kamala. Okay, Kamala. All right, so if, uh, Kamala's not even African American. Yeah. She's, uh, what, half Jamaican, half Indian. So mm-hmm. then is she allowed to partake in, in these uh, festivities? And I that's the know. thing is like you're, you're creating a, um, a way of life that is undoable. Yeah. You can't do it. But, you know, it's uh, okay. If you want to have a community, I'm going to just say this. If you want to have a, an adults only community, I, I'm all for that because some people don't want to be around kids. Mm-hmm. But then even, even those communities were sued by single moms that wanted a, a decent place to live. Well, you, you cannot, you cannot just sit there and say that in, in these communities, we don't want any other race. We only want white people. We only want black people. We only want Latinos. It, it, you can't, you cannot have that. Yeah. If you want to just voluntarily hang out with people, that's a different story, but to make it a policy, yeah. you're, you're, you're running into trouble and you're opening up a whole Pandora's box too. And the thing is, is this rhetoric is being embraced, as I had mentioned earlier, um, by celebrity. So you've got the NBA and the NFL that are really embracing this, MLB that has jumped on board. Um, you've got um, Hollywood celebrities as well. Um, you, so you've got this, this push by the NBA. Um, they've got Black Lives Matter on the court. Uh, they, they don't have their, their Jersey, uh, name. They don't have their names on their jerseys. They've got phrases, um, for racial justice, um, social justice, uh, things. Now, one of those things that, that could not be on there was anything, um, supporting Hong Kong. So that's, you, you gotta love that. Um, the, yeah, the hypocrisy the there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and then you've got the NFL, you've got the Black National Anthem being played, you've got kneeling during the National Anthem, and the ratings are plummeting. You've got, you've got the, the ratings have dropped so bad, especially for the NBA. Um, and, and you're in the middle of the playoffs. You know, you've got the, uh, the conference finals going on, and the ratings have tanked. Um, the ratings have been trash for the NFL as well. And there was a memo that was put out um, within the NFL, and it's going through all the the percentages of of the drops in the rating. But it, it, this is how disconnected um, these people are uh, with not just the players, but within the organization uh, itself. It says it is worth noting that we see no evidence that concern uh, over player protests during the national anthem is having any material impact on our ratings. In fact, our own data shows that perception of the NFL and its players 
is actually up in 20 and up in 2016. So it's like, that's the, that was, that was put out in 2016. It's just like your ratings dropped the moment you started doing this stuff. Yeah. And now you're saying that you, you see no, um, correlation between, between the two. And it's like, it's very obvious what it is. You just don't want to acknowledge it. I remember how much hell they raised when Tim Tebow was kneeling, uh, for God. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I mean, he wasn't protesting. He was just, I mean, that's just how he, how he liked to show himself. Yeah. And, and that was wrong. And we don't push your beliefs on us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's unbelievable. And the thing yeah. is, is like, look, Colin Kaepernick and people like him who have, uh, you know, a certain, you know, view of, of the world and of the country. If they want to kneel, you and I have talked about it. Go ahead and kneel. You know, if you feel like that, that is, that is what you're doing. Do I agree with it? Absolutely not. Um, but you are seeing a vast majority of players now kneeling baseball, basketball, football, these guys, they're kneeling during the national anthem being played. And I would, I would, I am suspect of it all. And I am looking at it through the lens of, okay, I think a lot of these guys are being pressured into kneeling because that is the trend. That is the thing to do. And if you stand like the guy on the giants, uh, the San Francisco giants baseball player who stood while everybody else kneeled, the left hammered the guy hammered him. And so you're being threatened, um, just socially. And you're obviously your job being threatened too. like fire this guy, um, get rid of him. That keeps happening. That is pressure to do something that you don't want to do. And that is against the American dream, which is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. You know, the sports figures have always, sports has been that utopia for uh, racial equality, I guess, if you want to say it, where yeah. nobody cared what color you were. Nobody. You know, when I was a kid. It helped this, America break the color barrier. It did. You know, in the 1970s, when I was but a wee lad, I, I, I won a, a uh, autographed football from a Houston Oiler by the name of Kenny Burroughs. He was, uh, or Kenny Burrow. He was a uh, wide receiver, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Double, zero, double zero was his number. Uh, we got the call that I won the football. It was a raffle. I went to go meet the guy. He was a black guy. Did I care? No. Mm-mm. I was just in absolute awe that here I am meeting a Houston Oiler wide receiver who was huge. He yeah. was giant. I was just like maybe four or five, six years old at the uh-huh. time, maybe six or seven. And I remember just being just like, wow, this is the greatest day of my life. That's what sports did. Yeah. Sports didn't care. And for the longest time, man, sports was, it was an escape from politics. Yes. Yes. Like when I was in college, like that's what I did. When I got back home from either work or from class, I turned on freaking ESPN sports center and it was just highlights, highlights, highlights. I'm like, it was relaxing and slowly, but surely they got further away from sports and got more into the, the social issues and the politics and you know, these, these cover stories and like, uh, we want to watch the sports. That's what. That's why we're here. And now it is not just about the segments on ESPN, but now the game that is being played, politics is in the forefront. It's on the. It's on the court. Yeah, it's, it's in, in the face. stands. It's on the field. It's in your face. It's yeah. And so it's like we don't want to. We don't want to watch it because now we have to. We have to watch the game through the lens of politics. And yeah. that just doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. Um, yeah. Let's finish up 
we've got a, a, so there is the rewriting of history and people are like, no, it's not rewriting of history. It's just uh, a different view. If the view is wrong, then it's a rewriting of history. If the view yeah. is wrong and it's, you know, being forced to be accepted, then it is rewriting history. I know uh, one of your favorite uh, uh, journalists, Jamel Hill, uh, she posted uh, the other day, reading, been reading Isabel or Isabel Wilkerson's new book, Cast, C-A-S-T-E. And if you were of the opinion that the United States wasn't nearly as bad as Nazi Germany, how wrong you are. Can't encourage you enough to read this masterpiece. So you have this book, Cast, and that's the thing. It's like Cast, it reminds me of the 1619 Project where the premise yeah. itself, the very premise of it is incorrect. America is not built on a caste system. In fact, our founding fathers worked extremely hard to ensure that aristocracy and a caste system was not prevalent here in the U.S., yeah, you have a lot of people that were their fathers were nothing. Yeah, absolute nothings, and they were able to achieve greatness. Yeah, and and that, our founding was, fathers worked to ensure that money and land and anything like that would not be something that would be required in order to run for political office. Yeah, there were there were people uh, Nathaniel Green and uh, and even Benedict Arnold before he turned traitor. You know, their their fathers were not of of any type of greatness, mm -hmm. and. You know, in England, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever see the saw the movie A Knight's Tale, mm -hmm. but but that that premise was true in that you couldn't be a knight if your father wasn't of some sort of uh, you know good stock. If your father right. was a nothing, then you couldn't be anything of importance. And the same thing in like the British Parliament, like in the House of Lords. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're not even going to be able. To, you're not even going to be able to get in. No, they're going to look at you like who the, who the hell are you? Yeah. So. You, literally in the United States, you have people who came of nothing, mm -hmm. who achieved greatness. And that's what that is what the American dream is. If your goal is to become something of importance, you can do that. Now, yeah. it's not to say that there isn't any form of aristocracy. I mean, yes, you did have you had the Kennedy family. You had the Bush family. Right. Okay. You, you've got power right. families for sure. Right. But it's, it's, it's via. Yeah, it's via a, a network. And. You know, that's sort of the result of, of having a lot of money and being well connected. You know, right, but look, but look at look at Barack Obama. Barack Obama grew up with a single mom mm -hmm. and he became president of the United States. Yeah. So I mean, look at Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson, uh, you know, his his father died when he was very young. Um, I think he ended up being an, an orphan after after a while because I think his mother passed away. Uh, his brother was killed, and this guy was like poor as dirt. And then you have Abraham Lincoln, poor as Job's turkey, as my mother would say. And so you've you've got all of these instances of 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 these people rising to power, despite how they started out. And in any country, that's only that's only been in America. That's it's only ever happened, especially in politics, uh, happened in America. And now post America, that's obviously changed. Uh, throughout other countries but yeah other mm -hmm. than that and so the 1619 project reminds me of the same thing it's like america started in 1619 it's like no it didn't that's the stupidest yeah. thing it's the premise is wrong right america didn't start for another you know 160 years well one of the things i was going to mention um and i mentioned uh, alluded to it earlier about the oxford history of the united states which mm -hmm. is a series of books that have been coming out 
Now, there are there are a couple of them that have come out that have been highly recommended, but it, it seems like some of the latter books that have been written, um, they are inundated with political opinion and mm. that that political opinion is of the left. Yeah. And I mean the left. Uh, one of the books, which I'm not going to mention, when I looked to see who endorsed it, mm-hmm. I could, I mean, red flags were everywhere as to who was endorsing the book. And that, that really concerned me. And so when I read the reviews, I, I, I knew what to expect when I saw the reviews. And sure enough, people, people who gave it, say, one star would complain about uh, some of the left-wing bias that is being written about. One of them in particular uh, was post-Civil War, in which you know they wanted to read a history about the United States of what happened from mm-hmm. 1865 until, uh, until the early 1900s. And what they got instead of a history was more of bashing, mm-hmm. bashing against certain groups of people. And... It's not just it's not just the Oxford history of the United States mm-hmm. that's doing that. It's it's history in general. We've we've talked about the 1619 project. We've talked about Howard Zinn. Now I know right now uh, President Trump is uh, pushing something called the 1776 Commission mm-hmm. um, to help teach uh, patriotic history. Yeah. Now one one of our friends spoke out against it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, who I'm, who I'm referring to. Yeah. Uh, we, we've interviewed him a few times, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, I'm actually I'm in favor of of pushing a a, um, a a history lesson to teach patriotism because it's at the point where I don't think we have any other choice. Yeah. And that's that's what, uh, you know, it's sort of the anti everything pushback. This is this is the inevitability of what when you push so far, eventually you're going to have a pushback. And so you have you have the ratings dropping and and watching sports. You have um, Hollywood suffering um, because people are like, "I'm, I'm tired of the horse crap politics and everything. You have the complete distrust in the media. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of this is like on the right, which is, you know, 50% of the population. Like, so if you're going to cut them off, you're, you're going to really run the gamut of, of, of running out of, of money. Um, and so people are going to lose their jobs and stuff. It's like, this is what happens. And you can, you can scream and, and, and yell about, you know, you're racist because you're not backing the play of, you know, black lives matter or, um, social justice or something like that. Like you can do all that and, but it's it's the votes and and voting with your feet that ends up mattering. And so this you know push for sixteen nineteen project, and then um, the answer to that to that call would be the seventeen seventy six commission. It's just like it's mm-hmm. a pushback. Like you can only push so far, and it's sort of the same thing that you're seeing in the streets. It's a mirror image of what you're seeing in the streets, where people who are part of BLM and Antifa and um, just radicals who are going around rioting, looting, looting and, and burning buildings and stealing and stuff, you eventually have the right respond by coming out with their guns and saying, you're not going to tear down this statue, you're not going to burn this building, you're not going to take over you know, and destroy my parents' or friends' property and business, you're not going to do it. And what happens? You have death in the streets. And so that's why it's like eventually you have a pushback and what is it? You know, Revolutions eat their own. So that is what is taking place from the cancel culture letter that was written in Harper's 
to the pushback with the 1776 commission to people on the right saying, all right, that's enough. We're going out in force in the streets and come what may. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, you've created this incredibly dangerous moment in time. And now with the death of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you are going to see it even escalate more. And then in a, in what, a month and a half now, you're going to have the election and it's going to hit another fever pitch. And it's going to get incredibly loud and it's going to get incredibly violent. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to alarm you too much, but I do want to prepare prepare you. I highly encourage, and I posted this on my personal Instagram, but I highly encourage people to, you know, stock up, stock up, stock up on, on food and stock up on water. And I've said, you know, do it for, you know, to cover you for about a month, month and a half. I looking at some stuff that we do not talk about here on the show. Um, there are going to be some significant things that take place, um, with, with, with power, and I'm not talking about political power, but I'm talking about electronic power. Um, and you're gonna, you know, you're going to run into instances where you're gonna have bloodshed, and you're going to have, you're you're gonna have power outages. You're gonna have it, it's. I just want people to be prepared. Now, I don't want them to say, "Why didn't you guys say anything?" So, and if you are a Second Amendment lover like uh, Alan and myself, prepare yourself because if you don't prepare yourself and protect yourself then either you are naive or you're just simply ignoring what you're seeing on social media and the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, when I was in uh, Georgia, there were a couple of notice things that I did notice. Uh, there was a, a radio station talk show I was going through and there was, uh, there was a guy on the radio that was pleading, pleading with the black community he was saying stuff like the NBA players are pleading with you. The NFL players are pleading with you. Hollywood celebrity celebrities are pleading with you. Mm-hmm. Go out and vote. If we don't vote, we're not going to get the change that we want. I, I, I saw that. And then on the other flip, flipping the coin, I was in a restaurant and there was, um, it had to do with a rebel flag that I saw. And next thing I know, when I mentioned something about the flag, all these people who are sitting quietly and just having a drink and eating the food, I'm sitting at the bar. They all started speaking up and they were you could tell that they felt frustration that they're on the defensive and that, you know, that, uh, you know, because when we talked about how like the rebel flag is not you don't see that in Houston, they were saying about how, you know, look. You know, they were given their reasons for why rebel flags can be seen in Georgia. They all were in agreement against slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the things that I heard, you, you would sit and expect, based on what, what a lot of people in the city would say, is that, oh, they are, they are all haters. No, it was nothing of the sort. That, you know, they all they wanted to see was is that Everybody just worked together. Everybody saw themselves as Americans, that there was no division among races. I mean, they, they were literally talking to me when I told them who I was and, and you know, why I was in Georgia. Mm-hmm. They were they were feeding me all this information about how, you know, they, they just want to see everybody, you know, loving their country, um, recognizing the fact that we have a unique American culture, that we all want to take part in it. We all want to be that one big happy family where you don't have someone highlighting their differences and saying, look at me, I'm different. 
they they just want everybody to just get along to work together to to like I said go and I've mentioned this before go to church together play sports together play games together learn together that that it was that was all they wanted but they felt like that they were being put on the defensive by Hollywood by some of the political leaders and they absolutely resented it and I mean like I said they were quietly eating their food and drinking their drinks until I started talking yeah and then they all were speaking up there mm. was it was like bent up frustration. Those people were all frustrated. Bent up or pent up? Pent up. Sorry, sorry, my bad. <laughs> had to. Yeah, I had to. Pent, pent up, pent up frustration. Yeah. So well, that's that and, that, and and it is going to eventually come out. Um, and mm-hmm. and I think we mentioned it uh, last week in the worst way. That's how it yeah. is going to end up coming out. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we always like to do, we like to end on a scripture. This has been a very long conversation. Uh, hopefully you um, stuck with this throughout. I uh, just think that it's very important that this conversation be be had, especially with an upcoming election, and give you an understanding of what exactly is going on in this country and what is behind it. Um, but the scripture is Proverbs 21, 6 and 7, and it is going on this idea of the, the ideology that is based on, on, on lies, on things that are just untrue or taken out of context uh, or via um, told by with omission of of a lot of information. Uh, It says getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fancy of those who seek death. The violence of the wicked will destroy them because they refuse to do justice. And so you see it happening right now. Um, People who are invested um, to make more money upon more money um, by lying about certain things. You see this. You see it in in sports. You see it in media. You see it in Hollywood. Um, people are lying, whether wittingly or unwittingly, about certain things in order to get play, in order to get likes and shares um, and promos and sell their their products. Uh, they are doing this, and those people. Um, it, it is a fleeting fan fantasy. Um, and you, you have people who are out in the streets screaming with their blow horns and, and yelling about all of this stuff. And they do seek death, whether their own death or, or other people's death who oppose them. And you, if, if you haven't paid attention to some of the stuff that's gone on recently, somebody was killed, uh, who was a Trump supporter and there were people out in the streets and one lady was screaming through a blow, blow horn saying, I do not regret this person's death. Um, you know, this person, you know, deserved to die. And it's just like, that is, that's the idea. The violence of the wicked will destroy them. However, that is what takes place because as history has shown us, the righteous do stand up. And when the righteous are brought to bear, well, it's, it's, it doesn't end well for the, for the unrighteous. So anyways, there you have it. All right, Alan, where can people find us? Yeah, they can uh, find us on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and we have our very own website. Yeah, we do. www.thesonsofhistory.com. Beautiful. Um, we have, uh, let's see, on Facebook, I have my Tuesday Night History Live, which I have kind of uh, taken a hiatus from recently because of my trip. Um, I am hoping that I can restart it again this this coming Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, if not, it'll be the following Tuesday. Um, but on Thursdays, on Thursdays, you have your uh, 
Thursday night live chats on Instagram. That's right. Every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. So join and me. You, and you had a recent uh, article in the Epic Times, did you not? I did. I did have one. Uh, it came out, uh, I think, last week, entitled, At Least Texas Isn't California. And I started that off with, that headline is not meant as a compliment. It's meant as a warning. And mm-hmm. I sort of run down exactly why we should not be comparing Texans should not and states like us uh, who are not putting in draconian methods like that of New York and California should really not consider themselves lucky. You should consider yourself deceived if you're thinking, well, at least we're not California. And so I encourage you to read that article. Also have another article that is supposed to come out here pretty soon. It's actually an open letter to Governor Greg Abbott. Um, And I am more or less giving him and his administration what for. So, all right. All righty. Well, that is it, ladies and gentlemen. We hope that you enjoyed the show and we will chat with you later. (laughs) 